You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Do you believe God has a plan for your life? I'm so glad three of you believe that God has a plan for your life. Let me see if I can take the next 30 minutes and convince everybody else, okay? Come on, you believe God has a plan for your life? See, I believe that with everything in me. I believe God has a plan for my life and always has. So we have a lady who attended a church I pastored a few years ago. Her name was Rachel. She was very sincere about following Jesus with her life. And she had this prayer that she was praying, this thing she was trying to figure out. What does God want me to do now? What's my next step? I think I maybe should finish some education, get another degree, but it was going to cost... $5,000. I didn't feel like we should borrow it, she said, Pastor, as a family. And I just began to pray, God, is this what you want? I don't know. Is this what I'm supposed to do? I'm not sure. And she said, one morning, I'm sitting at my breakfast table, eating breakfast. And while I'm eating cereal, I'm staring at the cereal box. Everybody with me? And while I'm staring at the cereal box, I see this offer for a giveaway, different amounts of money. And so I rip the box apart and I fill it out and I send it in. And in six weeks, I get a check in my mailbox for $5,000. Wow, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Don't you wish God would speak to you that way, right? Make it that clear. I'll do it. Just tell me what you want me to do. Unfortunately, for most of us, although we have times where God's will is very clear, our lives look more like the life of Joseph, who we've been studying, right? And for Joseph, it was more like... There's the big picture, but only the corner is peeled back. I can only see a little bit about what God is doing. And I think for many of us, we feel like we live that way. God, I can't see the big picture. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what the plan is. And I can only see a corner of what you're trying to do in my life. So here's the truth. The truth is that God created you. And before he created you, he knew you. And he had a plan for you. God knows that you're here, and He has a purpose for your life, and God sees the big picture, and God sees how all the pieces fit together. Now, Joseph, you might argue, didn't do too many great things with life. Really, when we think about Joseph, he was just faithful. And so as he was faithful... God took care of the big picture. You with me? So grab a Bible, will you? The book of Genesis, chapter 45, okay? So here's where we are in the story. Joseph was a 17-year-old boy. His brothers did not like him because his father loved him more. They sold him into slavery. After he spent some time in slavery, God was with him. He rose to the top of all the other slaves and ran his master's household. He was falsely accused and thrown into prison. In prison, he was put in charge of everybody else, all the other prisoners. He interpreted a dream for the ruler of the country of Egypt, Pharaoh, for his official. And then Pharaoh sent for him and brought him out of that dungeon of the prison. God speaks through him and interprets Pharaoh's dream. And now... He is second in charge of all of Egypt, okay? Who can do that? God can, right? 
And so his brothers are hungry because there's a famine in the land and there's no food and they don't know what to do. And so their father Jacob says, go to Egypt. I hear they have food in Egypt. And so for seven years, Joseph was in charge of collecting all of this food, okay? And now he's in charge of distributing the food, rationing the food out. And so there's lots of tests and trials for the brothers. He sends them back to get another brother. But he understands that their hearts have changed. And so here's, here's how the story unfolds. Here we go. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendants. And so he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So this is like a, a prime minister who has that kind of power. Clear the room. Give me the room. Everybody leaves. And it's just him and his brothers. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. A side note says that he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. In fact, all of Pharaoh's house heard about it. And here's what Joseph says to his brothers. You got this moment? They sold him into slavery 22 years ago. They don't know who he is. They think he's just an Egyptian ruler. He has only spoke to them, spoken to them in the Egyptian language. And now in Hebrew, he looks at these brothers and he says, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him. Why weren't they able, Pastor Rick, to answer him? Because they were terrified. They were shaking in their sandals. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one that you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me here ahead of you. For two years now, there have been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. Now, he really wants to see his dad because he hasn't seen him for 22 years since he was 17 years old. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, ruler of all of Egypt. Now, hurry back to my father. Say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Now, come down to me. Don't delay. Hurry. (laughs) You shall live in the region of Goshen. And be near me, you and your children and your grandchildren and your flocks and your herds. And all I have, I will provide for you there. Because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. And so you can see for yourselves. And so can my brother Benjamin. That's his only full blood brother. That it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt and about everything you have seen and bring my father down here quickly. And then here's what happens. Joseph threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and he began to cry. He wept and Benjamin embraced him weeping and he kissed all of his brothers and he wept over all of his brothers and afterwards his brothers were able to talk with him. So this is God's word for us today. So every time I come in here, I think to myself, if what we do in here doesn't translate to everyday life, I think we're in trouble, right? So somehow what we do in here 
has to translate to everyday life. So I've asked a few people to join me. So Dwight, would you come? Tilly, would you come? Brighton, would you come up real quick for me? Okay. And then I need a six-year-old little girl who is quite a talker to come up here with me too. So do I have a a six-year-old girl who is pretty talkative? Pretty talkative? You're pretty talkative? Okay, this is your day. Come running and get with me here real quick, okay? So how do we take Joseph's life experience and translate them into our lives? Thank you for coming up, Brighton. And you can stand right over here beside me, okay? Right here. This is good. So tell me. Tell me what your name is. You have to come up here, okay? This is Caitlin, right? And how old are you? <laughs> she feels that she must make a confession. She's not really sick. She's already seven. Is that right? You forgot. That's okay. Sometimes I forget. So, Caitlin, we're talking about the future today. Do you believe God has a plan for your life? You do? Okay. So when you grow up, what do you want to be? A vet. A vet. So you want to take care of animals when you grow up. Do you want to get married one day? Sure. Okay. Let me see if I can... Any guys interested up here in... Do you have a boyfriend already? No. Want one? Maybe open to that, possibly. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so when you think about your future, you want to be a vet. You want to be. Do you want to have kids one day when you get married? Yeah. Yeah, I want you to too. That'd be great. So I want to show you a picture. Okay, shot over here on the screen. Turn around this way. See the little boy on the right side, the short little boy. Yeah. Okay. So let me show you another picture. Here he is again, and this is a school picture. He's the one with his hand on his head in the upper left corner. See that little boy with his hand on his head. So do you know how old that picture is? 80 years old, okay? So that little boy is in the room today. Do you know who he is? No. Okay, I want you to look right over your shoulder. Right here. Right here. That's him. Pretty neat, huh? His name is Dwight, all right? So when he was six years old, he had some thoughts about his future too, okay? So stand over here by Brighton for me, okay? So, Brighton, you are uh, how old? 18. 18. So, Joseph was 17 when he started to dream about his future, all right? So, I'm assuming that, and you're graduating, right? Yes, sir. That, that you sometimes dream about your future. Yeah. And so, when you look at your future, what, what do you say? Do you mind telling us what that looks like? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play football at SNU. You are? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, major in international business and minor in ministry. Hopefully try to mix the two. We'll see what, you know, God wants me to do. Uh, and then graduate college, get married, and have a big family. A big family. Yeah. We're talking about how many kids here? Like five. Five kids. Awesome. Okay. So i got to show you a picture too, Brighton, okay? So, so this, is, this is the same guy. This is Dwight, and he was your age. In fact, that's his high school graduation picture. Pretty neat, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Tillany... Uh, you, you um, are in your early 30s, and Joseph, when all of his dreams came true, he was in his early 30s. So what if I ask you, Tillany Franks, have all of your dreams come true? Pastor, I would say um, <laughs> most of my dreams have came true. I had dreams of being um, in a family, being a mom, being a wife. 
Um, I have a little, sweet little boy, and having a wonderful group of friends, being involved in a church, and I would say all of those things have abundantly come true. Um, But there have been valleys, and there's been brokenness, and there's been heartache along the way. And one of those things um, would be in the fall... I went to the doctor, and I was diagnosed with a fairly large tumor that had to be removed. And we didn't know if it was benign or not until it was removed. And it was kind of an extensive surgery, and um, it was not part of my my dream plan. Um, And it has given us where we don't currently have the ability to have more children. We are hopeful for the future. But, you know, you're talking about Joseph's story, and he went through pain and unfairness and God never said that wasn't going to be a part of the plan and the journey, but he turned all of that and made it, you know, his perfect plan. And I see Dwight and think I have so much more left and I have so much more that I know the Lord is going to, you know, bless all the plans that he has, um, for some of my dreams. So on the screen, there's Mm -hmm. a picture of Dwight when he was your age. He was living in Kansas at the time and he was in his early thirties there and he was a pastor and he was also a uh, um, president of the young people's group on the district. Dwight, you've lived 86 years. God has blessed you and, yes. and been good to you. And um, when you look back on your life, can you see God's plan coming into place in your life? Yes, I can. Uh, my father was a pastor. He left here in 29, graduated. He took his first church in Liberal, Kansas, and that's where I discovered America. I was uh, four years old, and his second pastor is when I gave my heart to Jesus. It's been an unbroken connection through these years. I have no regrets. A lot of things have happened. I, I felt a call to, well, in, in fact, I stood on the running board of the car you saw and told my brother on his bicycle, or his tricycle, when I grow up, I'm going to be a preacher. I never fought that, but I just couldn't believe it. Hmm. I, I just, uh, I was rather introverted, and I remember uh, through high school, then I, after high school I joined the Navy, and I was out of the Navy a while, and they were going to call me back because uh, of the world situation. It let me out early. So I joined the Air Force and uh, got uh, involved with a church, music and so forth. And uh, I, I uh, finally said, Lord, when I get out of the Air Force, here goes nothing. <laughs> but I'm going back to Bethany and enroll unless you block the door. Here I am. Wow. And uh, it's been a wonderful year, I think a wonderful a, life. I think about, I'm sorry. I think about how God has used you over the years, Dwight, working for the college, uh, pastoring churches. I've had talks with you about your Sunday school calling and the way that you saw people come to Jesus. A missionary in New Zealand, Australia. Um, Truly, as you stand at this point of your life, you can see where God put all the pieces together. Yes, it is. It's been a good life. I have no regrets. And now the Lord has finally given me my heart's desire, and that's attending this church. Hey, we love that, don't we? (laughs) 
when I was a, <laughs> when I was a student at Bethany, I wished I could go to First Church, <laughs> but I was working for another church and uh, knocking on doors, and you know that that's where I made my living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you and thank you, and uh, I think we got to give everybody a big hand. And I have something for you right over here. Okay, you want to grab it? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brighton. So I think we have to ask a question. How, how do we look at a little girl who is seven years old and, and a guy who's graduated from high school and a young mom and a man who's coming to the end of his life and ask, so what do we learn from Joseph's life when we look at our own lives? And I think there's some great lessons that we can take away here. Um, Joseph stands in a room with his brothers who 22 years ago sold him into slavery. You know what they thought about over the years when they were having all of this trouble getting food and everything? You know what they thought about? They thought about Joseph. And this is what they actually said at one point. This is happening to us because of what we did to our brother. You remember how he looked into our eyes and he begged for his life and we would not listen? Now God is bringing this on to us because of what we did 22 years ago. And as a family, we're not going to have food and we're going to die because of it. And so they find themselves there and Joseph sends everybody out of the room and it's only him and his brothers. And now he's only spoken to them in the Egyptian language. And now he speaks to them in Hebrew and he says, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But the Bible says they couldn't answer him because they were so afraid. They were terrified. What's he going to do to us? And they just stand there and shake. I can imagine they had trouble getting their breath. They are like, we are in trouble now. I'm Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And what happens in that moment is devastating in their hearts. Let me, let me, let me ask you this. Just look at me for a second, okay? Have you ever lived with a secret? So some of you have, some of you haven't. Living with a secret is a very hard thing to do. And so for 22 years, they've lived with a secret. They just kept it covered up. We're not going to get that out and open it and deal with it. We're just going to cover that up. We're going to leave it right there. And after 22 years, Joseph does something that was just breathtaking to them. He uncovers the secret. And there it is. I mean, it's in front of everybody. Everybody can see it. It's just right there. There's the secret. We covered it up. We just piled stuff over it for years. We tried to suppress it. We tried to act like it had not happened. It was awful. It was bad. It was horrible. We sold him into slavery. We relied about what happened to him. That was the secret. But now it's just exposed. Once you say it, everything changes. And Joseph says, I don't want you to feel bad. It was God who sent me here. And God is going to use me for a purpose. You see, God had a plan. And the plan was that God was going to save all of us through me. It was not you who sent me here, but it was God. Because God has a plan. God is always at work. God is involved in our lives. There is this way of thinking out there called deism. 
And deism would say that God is basically passive in, in our world today. If you want to describe God with one word, a deist would say God is, you know, they would use the word passivity. He's not involved. He doesn't really do things. No need in really praying or asking because nothing's going to change. He set everything up in motion and now it's just happening. But we choose to believe that God is working. And we choose to believe God when he says, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you things that you've never known about. So, um, if I'm going to be completely honest with you this morning about all of my feelings when I read this story, I'm going to have to tell you that I struggle with some of these words, okay, and what they mean. And the words that I struggle with the most are the words when Joseph says, it was not you who sent me here, but God sent me here. Now, that's hard for me, all right? I struggle when he says, it was God who sent me to Egypt because he went to Egypt as a slave. And then he becomes a prisoner. And so the question I have to ask you this morning, is that the kind of God that we serve? Does God put people into slavery? Does God send people off to prison? Does God bring pain and suffering into people's lives? Does God give people cancer? Does God take a child out of the home of a family? Does God do stuff like that? Is that the kind of God we serve? Does God do those kinds of things? Did Joseph mean all of those things when he said, God sent me here? If that's the case, then the people in our world who believe in the concept of determinism would be correct. Determinism is a way of thinking that says simply this. You and I, human beings, we really don't make choices. It's all been predetermined. We're just kind of pawns on a chessboard that the person who is playing is moving around. And God's just kind of moving us around where he wants And so if it was predetermined, the brothers had no choice, really. They were going to sell him into slavery no matter what. It was already predetermined that their hearts were going to be turned by God himself, and they were going to do this thing. They really had no choice in it. Is that that God? Does God predetermine all of our actions? Does he choose for us instead of allowing us to choose? Did God say, I'm going to send Joseph into slavery because after that he's going to go to prison? Because... I want him to somehow get to Pharaoh's palace because I want him to be able to save his family with food and to save the world with food. And so to accomplish my purpose of salvation, I'm going to bring all of this pain and suffering into his life. And we kind of land back at an old conversation that says, what do you do with this? How do you equate God's goodness with human suffering, right? And so the argument for some people stands like this. Either God is love or he is all-powerful, but he is not both. Because if he was love and he had all power, then he would stop human suffering. If he really loved you, he would not let you hurt like that. And so he's either love or he's all-powerful, but he is not both. Because if he were both, He would stop human suffering. 
I think I have a better question to ask you. You ready? And here's the better question. Did God bring suffering into Joseph's life in order to accomplish his purposes? Or did God choose to redeem the suffering in Joseph's life to bring about his purposes? And I believe the latter is true. It's the story of Joseph. It's the story of Genesis. It's the story of the Bible. That God comes to us in our brokenness and in our pain. And God brings good out of the worst in our lives. That's what God does. He is redemptive. And it fulfills itself in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and His resurrection. Jesus Himself said, I came, I came to save. I came to save what? I came to save that which has been lost. And I came to redeem what has been lost. So let me think with you for a few minutes about Joseph, okay? Um, my family and I went to New York City. I think it was Brittany's senior year of high school. She graduated. She wanted to pick a vacation, and she wanted us to go to New York City and just tramp around New York City for one week in the hot sun. And so that's what we did. We went to New York City. You know, New York City can feel chaotic if you're not used to living there. And so it's like, you know, you're in a cab, and you're like, man, these people drive really crazy in New York City, it seems like to me. And so you're trying to figure out where everything is, and, and it just feels like, is there, a, is there a pattern to this street thing? And you just kind of find yourselves getting lost, and you're on the subways, and you're trying to get around. But one day, my whole family and the family we're with says, let's go to the Empire State Building. You're in New York City. You've got to go, and you've got to go up and look out on the observation deck. So we all go up, and we go up to the top and we get to the observation deck and everything changed for me. All of a sudden, I'm standing there saying to Annette, Annette, look, that's where we were yesterday. Now it makes sense. You remember we got lost? We, this is what was going on. And all of a sudden, what felt chaotic on the street, when I got up top, I saw order and design. There was a plan. It made some sense. And you say, what changed? I promise you, New York City did not change for the Harveys that day we were there. You know what changed? My perspective. That was the only thing that changed. It was the vantage point from which I was seeing things. And all of a sudden, it made sense to me. Here's what happened to Joseph. And here's what I want desperately to happen to you and me. That we come to a place in our own lives when we think about our future and we can't see the big picture and it doesn't seem to make sense to us at times that we come to the place in our own lives where we align our perspective with God's perspective. God, you see the big picture. I can't. Right now, it doesn't make any sense to me. When Joseph is in prison, you know he's saying, God, how does this fit into the big picture of your plans for my life? I can't see it. But what happens is God can see the big picture. He's got a different perspective. And so the only thing I can do is come to a place in my life where I surrender and say, I am going to align my perspective with yours. Notice I didn't say align God's perspective with mine. 
A college student told me a few months ago, I have spent a few years of my life trying to bend God's will to match my will. Doesn't work. It's a matter of saying, God, let me see the world and my life as you see it. And here's what Joseph did. God's got to be up to something. I don't know what it is. I can't see the big picture. Obviously, God does. And so I just got to trust him. And so when he becomes a slave, he doesn't just say, I'm going to do the bare minimum that's required of me. No, I'm going to serve because obviously God is doing something. And he is elevated to the highest position. And when he goes to prison, he could have crawled up in a corner and said, I'm done. God has forgotten about me. But he said, no, God's obviously up to something. He has shown me favor. And he gets promoted to be in charge of the prison. And even when he has power in Egypt, he spends his life to fight world hunger. God sees the big picture, and he is obviously up to something. I can't see it, so I'm going to trust him. I prayed with a lady today, and she broke my heart. She said, I moved here in July, my husband and I, to be close to our children. And in November, my husband died. And I listened to you preach this morning. Kind of hard to see how that all fits into the plan. I prayed with her. Asked God to heal her broken and hurting heart. And I realize her story is not isolated. There's people all over this room this morning who are saying, Rick, we're going through something right now. And we thought we were going there like that 17-year-old boy who has dreams about his future that you interviewed a minute ago. I mean, we have dreams about our future. Like the young mom who stood here and talked about, yeah, the road's been a little rough and bumpy along the way, but, but I think... God has the big plan for me, you know? Or an elderly gentleman who says, I can see how God worked in my life over all those years. But Rick, where we're at right now, we can't in our wildest dreams see how it all fits in, how the pieces would ever come together. I think about a 17-year-old boy who had dreams of greatness. His name was Joseph and he was being hauled off into slavery and he had to say, God, how in the world would this be a piece that ever fits in my life? How can you be redemptive in this situation? And just when life gets better, he lands in prison and he's got to be saying, God, how in the world, how in the world can this fit into the picture? How can you redeem this to bring good into my life. God's plan is often what He is doing in our hearts. And so I want you to consider a concept with me, and you're not going to love it, I'm going to promise you. In fact, it's hard to hear. I borrowed from an author whose name is John Ortberg, and here's what he says. What if? You ready? What if God is not working 
to produce the circumstances you want. I know. I don't like it either. Because I want, you know. I live in a society that understands instant gratification. I want. But what if, just think with me, what if God is not working to produce the circumstances you want? What if instead God is working through your circumstances to produce the you that He wants? What if instead God is working through your circumstances to produce the you that He wants? And so wherever you are in life, can you come to a place of just saying, God, (laughs) you see a picture I can't see, but I trust you. Sometimes God doesn't answer my questions when I say, why? And sometimes I don't feel like I get answers to how long? But he always answers the question, who? And he says, I am. Be still. And know that I am God. Before you were born, I knew you. I know you're here. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I can see the big picture. I can see where all the pieces fit in place. Trust me. And I loved it last Sunday when we all walked down the aisle and we drop a card in the box with our situation and we say, God, you know what I choose to do? I choose to trust you with my situation and my set of circumstances. I believe you love me and I believe you have a plan for my life. And so I know that some of you surrendered your life to the Lord years ago. And some of you would say, but I've taken pieces back over the years. And I've tried to get the controls in my hands and try to fix when I thought things were going off course. And I'm calling you today to this place of new surrender. I cannot see the picture for the life of me, God, but I know you can. I trust you. You know me. My life's in your hands. You have a plan for my life and a purpose. And you are working in my heart today. I believe that. And so I surrender my future to you. Kyle's going to come. We're going to sing. I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment. And you may want to come and pray that prayer of surrender, okay? It's been a while since we've been able to say, let's just take some time before we go to pray. And so there's another group of people here I want to speak to, and that's, that's the people I just want to say to you, maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. Jesus said to a guy whose name was Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's talking about a radical new birth. He's talking about, I'm going to change who you are. I'm talking about making you into a brand new person. And you say, Rick, there's sin in my life and I want to be forgiven and I want to be born again. I want to think differently, live differently, behave differently. I need God to change me. And so this morning, there'll be pastors here on each side of the altar and they would be glad to pray for you about becoming a follower of Jesus, okay? Maybe as a family, you're going through some stuff and you want to come together and pray or come as an individual and pray about what's going on in your life. Maybe you have a son or a daughter or a family member that you're concerned about and you want to pray for them. Maybe you just want to come down with one of your kids that was baptized and just say, thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in my kid's life.
But before we go, let's just kind of feel this freedom. Take a few minutes to talk to the Father. So let's stand. And as we sing, a song is just very appropriate for where we are today. If you want to come and pray, just take some time to come and pray, okay?
so there are pastors here, and some other pastors will make their way here too. If you want to talk with a pastor, someone pray with you or anoint you with oil for healing, feel free to go to one of those pastors. They'll be standing over in the corners. You can get to them. Let me pray for you before you go this morning, okay? Father, uh, my heart feels a heaviness this morning for people who are going through tough times in their lives. And for the life of them, they can't see how you will bring good or redemption out of this time. It's hard to see the big picture. Give them faith, Lord. Give them perseverance. Give them patience. Give them the power to believe, Lord, that you know them, that you have a plan, that you are at work, and that you are being redemptive in this matter. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.